pray before we start. Father, I thank You that we can gather together freely in the Name of Jesus, freely together and worship You and lift Your Name high. And that's, Lord, our desire, that's our heart. Lord, all the time is to lift Your Name high above every situation, above every circumstance, above anything that will come towards us. Oh, Father, we glorify You and we thank You for Your Word. And we know it's gonna speak to us today because your, your word is life. And like a two-edged sword, it pierces our lives. And Father, that we may be hearers, not only hearers, but doers of the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So good to see so many of you here tonight. Well, tonight I'm gonna speak on love on display. And I really believe that God is actually speaking to us you know, this morning, if you podcast, if you weren't here this morning, Pastor Mark preached a great word on being triggered. And he referred to about love and having love for one another. And, and he, we don't compare notes of what you're speaking and what I'm speaking. When, he, when he's preaching, I'm going, that's my scripture. That's my, what I was gonna say. So, but and when I hear that, I actually believe that God is actually wanting the church, wanting us as individuals to take note of what He's saying to us. So if you, I encourage you, listen to the podcast, you'll really be blessed, challenged and changed. You know, as Mark spoke about, we went and saw the Jesus Revolution. Wow, what a great movie. I don't think it's on for very much longer. And so can I highly recommend to you to search it and go and see it. You know, this is a generation in the hippie. It was called the hippie generation in the 60s that, man, they were looking for love. They were looking for hope. They were looking for drugs and more drugs and more drugs. They, they were like just looking for love and hope. We're so grateful that it was the America's largest revolution, largest encounter with Jesus because when they were looking for love and looking for hope and not finding it in the drugs or not finding it in the things that they went to and the, and, and the places that they went to to do these things, they were coming by the droves back into the church and finding Jesus as the only one who really loves and the only one who they can put their hope and trust in. You know, we, I, as Mark said, I believe we're living in a very similar climate right now. Suicide is off the charts crazy. And the sad thing is I'm hearing now, it's not only amongst our young people, it's among, amongst women and middle-aged men and it's also only this week I heard of a story of a woman who, who is in her late 70s who wanted to commit suicide. I'm going, whoa, you know, like people are searching for hope, for love. And we know it can only be found in Jesus Christ. We are seeing many people across the globe finding Jesus again. You know, and God has chosen us. He's given us the opportunity that as we have a relationship with God to display His love through us to others. 
You know, I thank God that that period of the 60s happened, not the fashion, fashion was terrible, even though I see flares are back in. Uh, but, I, but I'm grateful that there was a Jesus revolution. As Mark said, I was crying and praying in the theatres, God, do it again, do it again, do it again. In 2001, in, the north, in northern Afghanistan at 2 a.m. in the morning, in a very isolated village, the people were awoken by a thud, 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 thud on their rooftops. They heard something coming from the sky and as they rushed out to see what was happening, they began to see packages all over the ground, on their rooftops, on the ground. And these were packages that the US government had appointed through humanitarian operation by giving these people packages of food, packages of supplies, packages of of love, in, as you could say. So instead of being bombs, they were actually love bombs all over the ground because there was a need in those villages. They were in drought and they couldn't get food and couldn't get supplies. And so it wasn't an explosive bomb, but it was an explosive love bomb. They got bombarded with love. I want us to give out explosive love bombs. I love what Pastor Nikki is doing with a team, a great team in Morayfield. They're giving love bombs to the homeless. There are homeless, there's one testimony that one homeless man, as they've been giving those love bombs of packages to the different ones, one homeless man became not a homeless man anymore through the continual love bombs of packages as, as they give them resources and food and listen to them and, and hear them out. You know, this one man who was homeless found a home and got saved and now he's on the homeless ministry. Don't you love that? What was that from? Remember a group of people who said, we're gonna put our love on display. In 1965, who was born in the 60s? Okay, so some of you, <laughs> but you guys out here, you would have heard this song somewhere along the lines. Okay, 1965, Jackie DeShannon sang this song. This is a time of the Jesus Revolution. See if you can if you can remember hearing it, it goes like, what the world needs now is love. Come on. Put a bit higher. Yeah. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Not just for some, 
but for everyone. Everyone. I agree with Jackie. The world needs more love. A very particular kind of love. You know, the world has distorted the word love. Used it in very bad ways. The world needs God's love. What the world now needs is love, God's love. That's the only thing that's just too little of. Don't worry, Jason, I'm not wanting to go on the worship team. We need more love bombs. And He has chosen us as those in this room who have a relationship with God. He's chosen you to give out love bombs. You know, where we can blow up hatred with God's love, where we can blow up Satan's lies with God's love and God's truth, where we can blow up depression and anxiety with God's love and God's peace. That there's a real thing these days now called compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. How many here have realised that less and less we hear about the war in Ukraine and Russia. It was always the first story that came up. What's happened now? It's towards the end. We don't hear it. You know why? It's not a news. It's not, it's, we're just over it. It's compassion fatigue. It's, you know, if you continually see images of poor children on the TV, what do you do? You quickly turn up. I don't want to be confronted with that. Compassion fatigue, it's a real thing. There was an article in the political that's, that said 17 years after September 11, Americans don't care about terrorism anymore because it doesn't happen. They don't think about what killed thousands of people. You know, I remember speaking to a, a lady who, who escaped from Iran and and uh, she was telling me this terrible story that she, a good story where she became a Christian, but what happened to her was terrible. And she was part of our congregation many years ago. And she told me, she goes, you know, Nina, I, I found Jesus through a lady who was reading a book on the bus. And every time I got on the bus, I'd look over and I would see her intently reading. So one day I asked her, what are you reading? And she quickly hit her. But then she became, she had a, a, a good friendship with this lady and then this lady told her it was the Bible and led her to the Lord and she became a Christian. That's really awesome, isn't it? But what she endured for becoming a Christian was horrific. She, her, when she told her family, they locked her up. They, the father would lock her up, tie her up in the, in the room, bash her, beat her, then call the religious police they would come and they would bash her and beat her. To one day, she escaped and she became a refugee and she came to Australia. You know, and she's telling me this story and I'm thinking, that's awesome. You're away from that, that's good. And she had no compassion fatigue. She said, Nina, that all I think about is bringing the love of Jesus to, to my family, to my people. You know, church, we can easily fall in the trap in our comfortable lives. Well, with compassion fatigue. Please let us never be people who fall into compassion fatigue. 
You know, in John chapter 13, I wanna set a scene right now. And the scene is, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry life. And Jesus knows that the time is coming very soon where He has to go to the cross and die on the cross for you and I. So it's Passover time and he, he celebrates the Passover with his disciples, with his friends, and they go up to the upper room and they have a meal together and, and all his uh, 12 disciples are there and, and there is Judas, Judas the hater of Jesus. And, uh, but he's there. You know what, Jesus, he is in that upper room. They reclined at this table all together and Jesus with his 11 likers and one hater, takes his robe, takes his towel, and begins to wash every one of his disciples' feet, including Judas, the one who's gonna betray him. He knows what's gonna happen. He knows that as Judas gets from the, up from the table and goes through the door and runs away out of the door, he knows what Judas is about to do. He's gonna set in motion something that we know about as a tragic time. Jesus' betrayal, Jesus' arrest, Jesus' betrayal again, and his set of trials, just many trials, not one trial, but many trials before his crucifixions. You know, John, Chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 actually take place in one night around one table and one meal. I think it was a very long meal. <laughs> My kind of meal. Let's read John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. And when he had gone, this is Jesus speaking now, and when he had gone out. This is Judas leaving. Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, these are grown men, but he says, little children, See, the word little children is an endearing name. It's an endearing calling. It's like my, my precious ones, not my as in their little children, but my precious ones. And he says, little children, yet in a little while I am with you, talking about he's gonna go to the cross. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I will say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one another for another. Jesus is acknowledging that God the Father sent him on a rescue mission. And the rescue mission of part one is almost complete. Jesus will soon go to the cross. 
and he'll bring glory to God, Father, through obedience, and he'll bring salvation to mankind who receive him. You know, the disciples didn't really get, get it, even though he'd been telling them for a while, three years actually, but they're a little bit thick. So, but they were so disappointed all over again. You know, you're saying you're going somewhere. Where are you going? We can come, can't we? Like, you can't follow me. Not now, but later you can. And so he gives this final commandment, the final set of instructions to them before he leaves. And these are the instructions. To love one another. That we are, as His children, as followers of Jesus, to love, to fulfill that commandment. I want us to look at His instructions. He tells us what to do and how to do it and why we should do it. So number one, what we should do. Love. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. You know, why does Jesus say this commandment? Why should love be a commandment? Should it just come natural? Why does he have to point out the obvious? Why does it become a rule? Since when is love a rule? You might think that. It's like, just come spontaneous. Well, if you've been married long enough, <laughs> if you've had kids, rebellious ones, if you've lived next door to an annoying neighbour, if you have annoying workmates, schoolmates, you will know what I'm meaning. Anyone who has had been talked about or been in a, in a position where Love is not natural. It's literally an effort. It is gotta be the command. You sometimes begin to see, I need to love. I don't wanna love, but I know I need to love. Love doesn't always come easy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe for you it comes easy. Oh, you are lovely people, aren't you? It doesn't. We gotta come right back where it was broken and that was right in the fall with Adam and Eve. You see, they were lovely people. And then one day they messed it up, right? You know, Adam didn't know he was naked until he chose to eat the apple with Eve. And then all of a sudden, he was hiding behind a tree with the leaves all over his body. Because sin came in. It wasn't how it was supposed to be. But because of the fall, everything changed. It became self-orientated. Adam didn't know. All of a sudden he knows, he's naked. We become so self-aware. We become so self-focused. So self-centred. Our natural default. Now, if this is not you, Give me a little bit of time to get over this because it is me. Is that our natural default mode is looking at ourselves, is looking at me, 
It's concerned with ourselves. How is that gonna affect me? You say that, but how is it gonna affect me? You do that, but now I have to suffer with this because it's your fault, how it affects me. And I can prove it. Get out your phone. One out of every three pictures in the world is taken as a selfie. That's every three pictures is a selfie. That's 93 million selfies are taken every single day. Now you go, oh, that's not me. Maybe it's not. If I was to take a picture of, your, of this crowd right now, take a panoramic picture right now, and, and, and when you got out the door, there was a picture waiting for you of this crowd, the first person you'll be looking for is yourself. You know how I know that? Because I do that. Mark cannot put a picture on Insta unless I've proof seen it. I don't need it to proof, proof seen it. So when Jesus was asked, so what's the greatest commandment? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your mind, with your strength. And the second one is like it, that you love your neighbour as yourself. Now your neighbour isn't Mr. Jones. Your neighbour is who you're sitting next to. These two commandments of love, the love of God and the love of others are what all the other commandments hang off of. I wanna show you something. See, if you love the 10 commandments that Moses got from the mountaintop, Sinai brought them out. We, we read about it in the Old Testament. And this is what they all hang off. This commandment says, because if you love God, you won't have any other gods before Him. If you love God, you won't take His name in vain. If you love people, you will honour your parents. If you, oh sorry guys, if you love people, you won't kill them. <laughs> if you love people, you won't lie to them. If you love people, you won't cover what they have. It's all summed up by loving God and loving people. That's where it all begins. That's the greatest commandment Jesus is saying here. I find it interesting that Jesus calls it a new commandment. Have you ever wondered that? A new com it's not a new commandment. I read it in Leviticus. And Leviticus 19, 18, and you're gonna see it's an old commandment. It's not a new one. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. So why does he call it a new commandment? When I just read it, Thousands of years ago, it was written back then. You see, the word used for new is not the typical Greek word in this passage. See, the typical Greek word for new is neos, which means new in age or recent. So he uses the word kainos, which is translated as fresh. Yeah, I know, hey? Read the Bible, there's some good stuff in there. <laughs> so he's saying here, a fresh commandment. Okay, I'm gonna press refresh 
on this commandment. Let me make this commandment front and centre of it all. That, you, that if you just do this, all the other commandments will be kept. If we just love one another. I love that. Refresh. It's a renewed commandment. It's a refreshed commandment. Number two, how should we love? You know, he says, you should love one another as I have loved you. Now he is qualifying what it means to love one another. The example given to love one another is a kind of love that Jesus has for us. It's his kind of love. He's talking about agape love. There's, there's seven or eight terms of love used. There's, I'm not gonna go the Greek original words, but one is family love, one is erotic love, romance love, and, and so on. But this one here is agape love. It's, it's the same love that Jesus talks about. It's restorative love. It's superpowered love that has towards us. This brings up another question. How do you measure love? Most of us measure love by how we receive love. You know, the seven love languages, they're gonna go through them, but you know, I'm a, I'm a words person. Mark just tells me something. I, I, I'm like, oh, he loves me. You know, he loves me. Yeah, that's it. I know, I feel his love. You might be uh, one who enjoys touching or, or, or a hug or gifts. You know, or maybe you need time. If it's your spouse or your friend gives you time, you feel, oh, they really love me. There's different ways that we show love. There are many ways, seven different ways. And all of us receive love one way and give. Now, just a little bit of a tip. If you're in a relationship, if you're married, especially if you're married, it's really good to know, and, and you both know this as a husband and wife, to know how your partner receives love. Because when you know, I was cooking some unbelievable gourmet meals for Mark. I'd spend hours in the kitchen because I thought cooking, gourmet meals, says I love you. And then one day he's watching the football and he says, honey, can you just sit and watch the football with me? I'm like, no, I've got to make this roast. And he's like, I just really love it if you just spent some time with me. Thankfully, we worked that out earlier on in our years. I still cook for him, as you can tell. And as you can tell. And as you can tell. You know, we, we, we love, but I found his love language and I speak his love language. Did you know, you, you know, you may be one who just keeps saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Wake up, I love you, I love you, honey, I love you, I love you, I love you. Did you know the longest love letter written was in 1875? A man in Paris, of course, by the name of Marcel de la Cure wrote the words, I love you to his girlfriend, Magdalene de Villalore. Givalore? He wrote, I love you, one million. 875 times. The idea was a thousand times the calendar year. Before you go, oh my gosh, that is so romantic. He had his secretary do it for him. (laughs) 
Some of you may measure love by a kiss. I know what you're thinking. Tell me, Nina, tell me, what was the longest kiss? Well, Mark, no, 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 I'm not gonna go there. The longest kiss was the 11th of July, 2005. A London couple, we've got to bring Rachel back. (laughs) A London couple locked lips for 31 hours and 30 minutes. I actually don't personally find anything romantic about that. And it wasn't the secretary. (laughs) The new standard of love that Jesus is putting out here is I want you to love one another, but I want you to love like I love you. Wow. Do it this way. Do it like I love you. On the same night, in the same room, let's read how he does it. John 15, a few chapters later, 12 to 13 says, you still can't get over the longest kiss, can you? (laughs) I know. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is talking about the cross. He's showing us how to love. Now, he's not saying you gotta die on a cross. It's not what he's saying. He's demonstrating God's love that he would send his only son to die for you and for me on the cross. We see that's true love. That's sacrificial love. Also, this love is unconditional love. We don't have to work. We don't have to pray 20 times a day to feel God's love. Thank the Lord. We we don't have to do certain tasks. We don't have to whip ourselves to get God's love. It's just by, by saying, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I receive you into my life. That's unconditional love. Love that's never ending. It's never ending. And it's not needing our love first. He's just given it to us unconditionally, never ending and reciprocal love, unreciprocal love that we don't have to do things. We cannot love like this on our own. I can't. I laugh sometimes. There was one guy in Bible college was a, I know, Bible college, right? Should be holy and saved. And, but man, he annoyed me. It was like sandpaper. Do you know when you, you get in the old blackboards and you scrape your fingernails? It was like that. He so annoyed me. And I had to pray, God, can you fill me with love to love this man? Because like every time he opens his mouth, I just go shut down, shut down, shut down. You know, and I actually had to pray in Bible college. I'm saved now. It's for love. God, can you help me to love Romans? I love it. Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because Jesus loves and lives within us, 
We have a sea of love that we can call upon that never runs out. You know, if God's love can flow into our lives, it can flow out of our lives. Because His love is continually and it's continually wanting to be poured out of our lives. We have been given a great capacity of love. What we have to watch out for is to never turn off the tap of love because we've been hurt and we can't trust again and we shut our lives off to anyone who wants to love us. So we know how to love by His commandment of how He loved us. You know, I love the Apostle Paul. He devoted a whole chapter to love and that's another sermon that one day I will do it. It's often read at at weddings, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called, defined as a love chapter. It's a great chapter to read. In fact, why don't you go home or this week, read that. It's very convicting, very challenging. and shows us how to demonstrate and display love. It's known as, as I said, that love chapter. You know, when we read this chapter, it helps us to see what love does and what it does not do. There are 14 statements in this chapter about love and how we can demonstrate love. It defines, it It helps us to demonstrate it. You know, as I said, I might do that another time, but I wanna encourage you this week, read that, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So number three, why should we love? John 13, 35 says this, by this, Referring to by this authentic, this real, sacrificial, never-ending, unconditional love. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By showing this kind of love to each other in the world. You know, the, 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 the church is hated right now. Christians are hated right now. And sometimes we haven't done ourselves a very good favour by a hate speech. So we need to go overboard, not in fake love, in real love. So we are real, we're genuine. We we know what it is to to love, even when we're persecuted, we hate it. We know what it is to show God's love. You know, what Jesus is saying, that's how they're gonna know that you're my disciples. If you talk about each other, if you backbite, if you, I come from a church, a Pentecostal evangelical Italian church, that they used to have punch ups. <laughs> like, look, I'm eating <laughs> after meetings, after praising the Lord. There's Italian mafias, right? Violin cases everywhere there. It was true. I'm like tormented like only a two-year-old seeing bunch-ups. Love you, Lord, after service. And I'm not exaggerating, it was real. Is the church going this day? Oh, I don't think so. You know, that's, they'll know that you love one another by the love that you have for one another. Jesus is walking to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays something for his disciples. He prays for their love and their unity. And he says that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
He says all this by this. All we know you are my disciples if you love. And when praying to the Father for them, he says that the world may believe that you've sent me. So love is like a beacon. It attracts people and it draws them to Jesus. How can you love them when I saw how they treated you? And you still invite them out and you still speak to them and you still show love and you still buy them gifts. How do you do that? Because of the love of Jesus that's inside of us to love those. That's powerful love. You know, I've been searching the Scriptures over and over, these Scriptures, reading them, rereading them, rereading them. And the way that Jesus says this is like He's giving permission for the world to look and judge us. The world will know. The world is gonna see if you love one another. People are gonna see and follow your Jesus and believe in Jesus. It's like he opens the door for the unbeliever to check you up, to check you out, to look. They say they're a Christian. Look at her bagging the boss right now. Hey, it's like Jesus, hey, world, come and check these people out. Look how they love one another. You know, the two weeks, no, week before my father passed away, he, uh, he sat us, us four kids in, in the room and he said, you know, last words are powerful words and you never forget them. He said a lot of things, but I'll never forget these words that he said. He said, um, and you gotta understand, my dad was never a big talker. So when he talked, we all actually listened. <laughs> My mum was the talker. <laughs> so when he spoke, we took note. And he said these things to us. He said, always love God. Always love each other and keep in unity at all times. It's like my father read the Bible, which he did. <laughs> but it was his words. He knew if we could keep those three things, we'll always live in unity and harmony. We'll always be the beacon of the light to the, our neighbours, to our friends, to our relatives. And I, I'll never forget that. Love God, love each other and keep in unity. I believe Jesus said these words because it's our love for one another that makes God visible. Yeah. This, to this world, God is invisible right? But Jesus' disciples, who, who John, who was with him all these years in the upper room as well, he's listening to what Jesus is saying about love. And after Jesus died and he ascended to heaven, years go by and it's talked about that, that John writes years down the track in 1 John 4, 12, he says, no one has ever seen God. And if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Our love for one another makes God visible to the world. 
who is invisible to the world. It makes God seen to them. They judge or know God by how we love one another in this room and out there. The old saying goes, you know, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's love and what you know to how you show what you know by your love. And I have the musicians to come. John pastored, he actually pastored the Ephesus church. Um, years later, he pastored, Apostle Paul started the church, but then John became the pastor of the church. And that, he was getting really old in years and uh, so old that they would actually have to carry, his disciples would have to carry him to church. But he always had to say something. Right, And this is all he says, little children, love one another. And then the other guy would come and preach. Next week, little children, love one another. This happened every week, every time they came to the temple, to church. Little children, love one another. One of his young disciples said to him, why do you just keep on saying, Little children love one another over every Sunday. It's like this now repeat. He says, little children, and they go, love one another. They're saying it before he gets to say it. And John said, because it is the Lord's command. And if this alone be done, it's enough. Because it's the Lord's command. And if this alone be done, it's enough. How will they know that we love one another, how would they know? As we serve them, as we care for people, as we care for people in this room, as we go in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we go, that we show love and kindness to one another. Our world needs more love. And we are to be the ones who show more love. And when you can't, you pray for it. God, help me to love them. Give me the love that you have said is in me. Let it bubble up to love one another. Can I?